It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. that down and uh say hello to everybody oh boy this is uh <laughs> hello to everybody it's a, <laughs> this is a grand experiment uh if we're hearing a lot of are we are we getting a little out echo there skeet uh, from peggy me a little bit we're gonna have a little of that folks so uh, i'm going to speak as quietly as possible into my microphone so that we don't have bleed you you don't you know you can see peggy's right next to me and in reality, she's right next to me, all right? We are live this morning from the growing place in Aurora. 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 Oh, and I need my dinger. Hold on. I got one here. Where is See, it? See, I, I remembered the dinger. All right, look at this. I got the dinger. It's right here. We both have them. Ding, ding. All right. Oh, yeah, with yours, yours with a smiley face. Uh, we're live in Aurora, and this, uh, I, I have no idea. None what this is going to be like for the next couple of hours here because um uh you you should have i can't hear you guys through my headset but i could hear the music so yeah you you, right you and now you welcome to my world okay (laughs) and when i turn and look at her i'm looking the other way but i'm actually looking at her she's sitting right next to me here in fact okay hold on let me put the mic down yeah there we go Um, let's see there's mike uh and um you should have seen us uh, scrambling here for... Uh, yeah, I'm hooked up off Skeet's phone. Uh, right. My and, phone's not recognizing my computer right next to it. So, uh, so uh, well, <laughs> I think it's going to be fun, but it might yeah. be a little bit of uh, a circus yeah, here well, this morning. Good morning, everybody watching us. Scott's checked in. Um, Helical Bob has checked in. Ernest out in Portland. Hey, he says another heat wave's on the way. Dan Costa says I good know. morning. I know. I'm so sorry, Ernest, about the heat wave. Uh, really. Uh, we might even have uh, an appearance this morning uh, from Amos Barrow. Mm-hmm. I think he said he was bringing he donuts. He says he was going to drop by yep. uh, the growing place. And, and we want you to stop by. Here's the deal. The, the, the show's live, obviously, right now. Um, but uh, the growing place doesn't open until 10. Um, so we will be talking and wandering around here and seeing interesting things before 10. Um, but then, uh, oh, thank you for the rundown. See, I've even got my own uh, 
rundown here. Here we go. Um, but then the doors open at 10, and uh, that's when you come flooding in. Um, oh, more rundowns. What? More stuff. More, oh, the water in your trees. Thank too. you for printing should she, that. Should she wants the social stuff. Here it is. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then at 10 o'clock, I hope everybody comes in and says hi. You know, I didn't even put the banner up. It's uh, But you can't miss us. You can't we're, miss we're, us. We're Just right listen. here sitting in front. You'll see a couple of tables with a bunch of cords and uh, all kinds of equipment that uh, we were testing <laughs> for the last uh, hour. Uh, some of it successfully and some of it not so successfully. But uh, I want to thank Michael Massat. And, and that is how you pronounce your last name, right? Massat? I said Massat on, on the video when we, we did this before. So Massett, that's interesting. Okay, so you've anglicized it. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's, uh, let's pop that screen up uh, so we can see our other guests. Uh, and, Michael, I'm looking at right over there and waving. And there's Skeet. Uh, Skeet, you can tilt down just a little bit. You love the sky. You always love having sky in your... Uh, in. Skeet's that's got what he, he wants to have that tree behind him all right please identify that tree behind you wait I, I will have before you do that i'm going to have to actually turn on your microphone and i don't think i had uh michael's on either so i apologize for that hold ah. on see i told you there's going to be a little bit of craziness here no michael's on uh skeet good morning good morning everybody that would be a linden or basswood tree and uh Michael and I are just hanging in a lawn chair here. This is uh, quite the way to do a internet broadcast in a lawn chair on a sunny, nice day at the Growing Place in Aurora. And thank everybody for having us out here today. This was very, very kind of them to to have us in their stomping grounds and enjoy the trees and touch nature. Not mm -hmm. sitting in a office or house. Get outside and touch some nature today. Beautiful day. Beautiful out. We got a nice little breeze. I think we're gonna have a good day. Fantastic. And uh, as I said, we, we might have a few little audio problems here, but uh, I don't think uh, too much. If there's a little bit of feedback, uh, we apologize for that. It's because we're so close to each other here. Uh, and, and so we've got two tables, and there's uh, Skeet and Michael at one table right over there, and then Peggy and me at the other table. And um, and the drift is... Skeet Cam right now. All right. There's, ah, thank you, Skeet. Skeet Cam. There we are. There we are. So this is our our, our uh, twenty five dollar setup. Uh, we we would have given you the thirty dollar setup, but uh, but I, I left that at home. Yeah, right. I didn't have the extra five bucks. And a cardinal just flew by. See, this is what happens when you do this live outdoors. Um, you, this now this happens to you, Peggy, because birds are always flying by your window while you're doing the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. But not mine. Because all I get is a cat that uh, disappears. Uh, so, and uh, she's taking care of the house today. So uh, today on the show, we're we're going to be talking trees. We're going to be talking hydrangeas. We're going to do a little tour of the garden center here. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we actually do have uh, internet connections, as you know. Uh, the uh, uh, so we're we're able to do the chat with you, um, and we hope you ask us questions along the way. Uh, but I want to start with Michael Massett, which I now have correct. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the growing place. You have two locations, and tell us about both of them. Uh, well, we are celebrating our 85th year. Um, uh, 
as uh, as a company. Um, my uh, thank you, thank you. Um, my parents have been running it uh, since the late seventies, um, mid seventies, um, and my sister and I are, are managing stores uh, individually right now. As uh, my parents are working on some retirement, so congrats to them. Uh, and uh, you know, so Becca and I are really excited about the future. Um, it's uh, been pretty pretty great. So you know. Uh, the Naperville location is at uh, 25W471 Plank Road, and that's in Naperville. It's kind of on the east side of Naperville. Um, and that's our original store. That's the flagship there. Um, it's been in business there since uh, since 36. Um, it was originally started uh, as Emma's Perennial. My parents changed the name to The Growing Place um, in the 80s, I do believe. I'm uh, never been great with dates, so sorry about that. Um, we've been uh, operating, uh, my parents in the 80s also bought this property. Uh, they started setting up production greenhouses. And uh, well, you know, when you have beautiful plants, it's hard to keep the customers away. So we had to open for retail here, uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, as people were just uh, falling in off the street wanting, uh, wanting our plants. So. Uh, we've been operating retail here uh, for about 30 years, and uh, both stores have uh, really beautiful gardens, uh, which is kind of a big uh, thing that you just can't, uh, you don't see at most garden centers uh, that are, you know, asphalted or paved or whatever. Um, we have a lot of garden space, as you can see in the background, not behind me, but uh, behind uh, uh, Peggy and Mike, you can kind of see some of the garden space. Um, but uh, we, uh, we spent a lot of time uh, giving you kind of more mature examples of plants so that you can kind of see what they're going to grow up to. And um, I would say that that's sort of your signature look is the... Um... Very park-like. Very yeah. park-like yeah. is what we get from yeah. the customers a lot. Um, so uh, I, I feel like that's a great compliment, you know, so we well, love it. Well, and it's nice to be able to do that. A lot of garden centers can't, so uh, you're, that's what kind of makes the, the growing place special. What would you say there uh, is a, what, what is your focus in terms of plants? Um, I mean, so uh, we actually do a lot of different plants. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we basically carry the full width uh, with minus maybe some water plants, not really our our thing but um uh we do uh veggies and herbs um and we do annuals annuals is uh underneath that linden that was next to behind skeet there um and the greenhouse directly behind me you can see the annual greenhouse there where we sell all the the flowery annuals from house plants are in the uh behind the shoulder over here underneath the uh, back porch um, and uh, we then also have a large selection of shrubs and uh, the widest selection of perennials that I'm aware of in the Chicagoland area. So I'm um, bragging a little bit there. Sorry about that. But, you know. That's okay because uh, if you go to the perennials, they're all alphabetized. This is something you guys do. So you look, if you know we do. the name of your plant, you can walk through. And if, and if you don't, don't know the name of your plant, uh, everybody dresses in blue, just like this. 
um, and they're all happy to talk to you. Um, you know, uh, the knowledge base of our staff is uh, really extraordinary. Um, so they are our, our, our best asset and uh, they'll be a great reference for you guys when you come in as well. Okay. Um, I have noticed you've also got a lot of just home and garden decorations. You've got a lot of um, not just flower pots and, and planters, but wind chimes and uh, lots of other decorative fun pieces here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of the garden decor, uh, some home decor. Um, we have uh, right now we just have a small space inside the house opened up for shopping. Um, but uh, we also do an extensive selection of little fairy and mini accents for, for your small scale gardening. Um, and we also have uh, complimentary plants, of course, for small scale gardening, too. Um, and uh, I'm trying to boost my level here. Somebody said I, I yeah, was Scott a little was low. saying you're a little hard to hear. Um, levels look okay. I'm hard to hear? No, no. No, no. I guess I think it was or, or, not Michael. Okay, Scott, but... Mike or Michael? Very, very confusing. It is. So maybe it, lean in a little bit in case it is you. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm picking you up just yeah. great, so I think we're fine. Yeah. Um, let's go back to our – whoops. And, of course, the minute I want to go back nope. to – he says MN, so it's you. Yeah. It's, it's me. I got a shout. shout. Uh, you know, I have a shout too. It turns out, <laughs> I think I think we're we're good here. Uh, it, it better because I'm looking at the levels and they look fine to me. Uh, let's go back to the wide shot and ta- see our buddy Skeet is here this morning, and uh, you have a connection to the growing place as well. Would you uh, care to explain that, Mr. Skeet? Sure. Good morning, everybody. Um, first Skeet off, kudos. From Bartlett Tree Care. Bartlett Tree Thank Experts. Thank you, Peggy. Skeet from Bartlett Tree Care, Bartlett Tree Expert Company. Four offices in the Chicagoland area and international company. So, yes, thank you. Um, but first off, thank you to the Growing Place for having us. And, and huge kudos to, to Mike, Michael, Peggy, Kathleen for getting this all settled and figured out. And the technology is just amazing to be able to uh, be here to sit and enjoy and, and talk trees and shrubs and plants. So, yes, um, we've been very fortunate to uh, team up with the Growing Place. We call it our green team um, in the sense that uh, properties have trees and shrubs and plants and perennials. And there's a lot of interaction with all of those plants and, and caring for all of those plants takes a team effort. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the Growing Place is just a wonderful partner. Uh, and, and we're really proud to, to work with them. And we really appreciate their striving for excellence and, and the way they put the right tree in the right place and the right way to plant. And, and they've got, as Michael said, some incredibly, very, very knowledgeable teammates um, working with them and employees that, that do a fantastic job. So we, we enjoy the partnership. Well, I want to ask you, uh, since you, you take care of the trees here, what, how would you characterize the kinds of trees that you see on location here at the Growing Place in Aurora? Yeah. Um, diversity, diversity, diversity. We, we can't scream it, say it, jump up and down. We could do all kinds of fun things on uh, the Internet now. Well, and you're on and, camera, uh, so you could. And we're on camera, so I'm like, <laughs> diversity, mix it up. Um, that's what we're talking about. And as we look around here, we're very proud. We've got ash trees here that we've treated, and we're 100% successful for the mm-hmm. treatments on the ash trees. And um, that's, we're very, very proud of that. And there's perennials and plants underneath there that that 
space would be devastated if we did not take care of the ash trees here. And, and that's a, a proud example of uh, preventative tree care and having that green team and having a certified arborist along with to, to know and to coach and to help and to guide to say, here's what's coming along. Here's some treatments. Here's some options. Mm -hmm. So we've got uh, some ash trees here. We're sitting underneath a gorgeous locust tree. We've got Austrian pines that uh, we're treating out here. And um, there's a whole range of different options and treatments, though. Uh, the quick answer is diversity. It's yeah, just well, nice we're gonna, to have different plants and trees. We're going to have a little tour later on uh, of some of those trees that uh, are are out here so that uh, folks can see uh, the uh, the diversity that, that you mentioned. A couple of comments uh, I wanted to get to. Uh, one is from Sandra. Uh, who says, listening from Chicago South Loop, loved the growing place, was a frequent visitor when we lived in Bolingbrook. So, and, and Skeet, you operate out of the, the Bolingbrook office. Yeah, yeah our, our Bolingbrook offices services uh, the western suburbs and, mm -hmm. and um, super operation, very knowledgeable team, like the growing place, and uh, just very fortunate to be with Bartlett Tree experts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, uh, your, our buddy, Scott, uh, who's part of this uh, team, Scott Jamison, is, is watching. He says, SpaceX would be proud of this technological feat this morning. <laughs> it, it is like piloting the SpaceX rocket. Um, so, um, Well, and this is, this is actually kind of behind the scenes for our viewers. When It's the first remote we've done in about two years. About two years, yeah. And it's different technology that we're using this morning. Well, you know that's true. You, we hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But the technology in two years, from when we last did this, changed completely. It just, uh, uh, not quite 180 degrees, maybe 130 degrees, something like like that. But um, so uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to tell you, uh, Skeet, is that our friend Ernest, who's out in Portland, Oregon says, I'll be contacting Bartlett here in Portland for some tree care. So, Oh, that's awesome. you got a, a fan. And we've got our dingers here, too. So, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, uh, and, and, I, and I can't tell what Michael's trying to type here. He typed IT, and I don't know if it means we need IT on, so. on site. But then he typed so. So whatever. So maybe it's just it. Michael, uh, Michael Prisbilla, uh, we're not telling. We can't figure out what you're typing. Well, before we get on to a tour, um, you have this great handout. Uh, we always talk trees when, when Skeet is, is on the show. Um, and it's about watering your trees. Speaking of watering, while the wa there's being plants being watered right behind you, Michael. Um, uh, Skeet, tell us a little bit. Uh, you, have you got the cheat sheet here? Uh, no, I, I do not. Let's but, get, though I'm very familiar with it. Uh, okay, there we go. I know you're familiar oh. with it because you sent it to me, and uh, you can go to my website, <laughs> MikeNovak.net, um, and uh, it's in the blog post. There's a link to the PDF that has uh, this information about watering your trees. Uh, what kind of a year has it been in terms of watering, and, and what are the problems you're seeing related to watering this year, Skeet? Sure. Thank you, everybody. Uh, it has been a dry year, and so... Uh, my little tree friends post I put out there, water, water, water. So, yes, we, we want to be watering our trees at least once a week. I should say once a week. Um, it's better to water once a week 
than it is to water every day. The trees need oxygen, and so watering every day is not good. You almost cannot water enough, or you're not going to hurt the tree with too much water if you do it every um, 8 to 10 days. So um, the big takeaway items is that uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, there's no magical mouth part at the base of a tree. The tree roots go out as far as a tree is high and sometimes further, so even beyond the drip line idea. So a flip-flop, oscillating type screen. Oh, Peggy, you're so aces with helping me. I appreciate that. The drip line would be where the end of the branches are and you go downward. Um, the majority of the roots are outside, away from the trunk of the tree. And so think of drip line as, again, where the, the canopy stops that edge around the tree. That would be So if you have a very line. large older tree like the locusts were under, that drip line is going to be pretty far yep. away from the trunk. Absolutely. And it could be a good 20, 30 feet as those branches reach out, 20, 30 feet. And so we want to keep the water off the base of the tree, away from the trunk of the tree, especially if there's a volcano mulching, which creates that moisture and root rot right at the <laughs> okay, base of the tree. Gotta, now we got to stop there, Skeet, because you mentioned volcano mulching. And uh, that folks, folks who listen to the show know that volcano mulching is not a good thing. It's a bad right. thing, and uh, it is when you pile up mulch uh, uh, on the trunk of a tree, and you see it all the time, and people ask me, well, why do landscapers do that if they know it's bad? Well, obviously, they don't know it's bad, and that means that they're untrained landscapers. Um, or, and that's or the home gardener. Or home gardeners. Uh, please don't do that. Now, a company like Bartlett Tree Experts would never volcano mulch. How should you put mulch under a tree, Skeet? We would mulch like a donut, not like a volcano. <laughs> so for the friends that are bringing us donuts, though, it would be proper <laughs> mulch rings. So just think of that as eating some mulch rings. And mm. so we want to keep the mulch away from that root flare. And so, Peggy, for definitions, thank you. As a tree uh, reaches the ground, you should see a flare. You should see the curvature. Mm -hmm. It should not look like a telephone pole. Telephone pole, bad. Root flare, good. And so um, we just want to keep the moisture away from the trunk of the trees. Right. And so back to watering that flip-flop sprinkler away from the trunk of the tree, out into the root zone. To the drip line out to the drip line absolutely two three four sides move it around that would be the way to go and you know we, we've got a pretty warm stretch of weather here you know and, and people ask you know how much should i water does the tree need water well the answer is you got to dig a little bit you know get a little shovel out get a little hand trowel and then just dig and if it's dry under the grass and yes the answer is we need to water and and um, I know a, a really nice association, Naperville, has got these beautiful uh, row of blaze maples into their entrance, and, and they're out there watering last week, and uh, we're going to be out there watering again, and, and those trees mm -hmm. need water. When the leaves start churning colors in August, that is a danger signal that the trees need water. River birch, uh, ash trees, alders, they're going to start yeah. churning color. They're going to start dropping leaves random yellow leaves dropping those are all indications of water 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 um, and again not yeah. every day you're better to soak you almost can't overwater and let it go seven to ten days well 
And and you do something. You say something very uh, informative in the watering your trees PDF, where you're talking about an inch of water, how much water that actually is. And if you've got a tree with a large canopy, uh, you say here a large tree root system can spread out to a 30 by 30 foot area to provide one inch of water to this area. 560 gallons of water or over 10 55 gallon water bottles, uh, water barrels are needed. This translates to a garden hose flowing at full capacity for nearly one hour to deliver an inch of water. Absolutely. And that's um, and that can be measured with your oscillating sprinkler by putting a little can out there in a little mm-hmm. bucket, and you can you can see how much water is there. Um, so, and in depending on the turf or if it's mulch or if it's on a berm, um, these are all different environments that the, the mm-hmm. watering and the moisture rate is completely different. Yeah, uh, most residential south exposure, northern exposure is going to change it too. Exactly. And that's where digging in the ground, inspecting your trees, knowing the different tree species you have. And if you have a love for those trees and they're valuable to you, they're going to need to get watered. All right. And, uh, and, and, and also matters if you have a sprinkler system, sprinkling system at, at your house, yeah. sprinklers too. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, you, you talked about mature trees and you're watering out by the edges, by the edge of the canopy. Somebody says, well, wait, I, I just planted a tree this year. Now it's a completely different situation, isn't it, Skeet? Yes. Yes, thank you. That, that's a wonderful point, so thank you. Uh, a newly planted tree uh, with the root ball is anywhere between 5 and 10% of the roots. So as, a, as an arborist, it, it, it still amazes me that a tree can be planted with such limited roots and, and then... I, I, I want to explain that because folks might not understand. They'll say, what do you mean 5% of the roots? When the tree is dug up from where it's originally grown, and because it has to grow someplace, unless it's grown in a container, um, when that's dug up, most of the roots get removed because they start to go out, and then they put this tree in this little container. And as you say, already the tree is stressed, right, because it has just lost most of its root system, which means that you have to water this little root ball and concentrate on that. And how do you uh, suggest people concentrate on watering a root ball? In that case, on the outside of the root ball would be the way to go. And, uh, and again, we're, we're at a week to once a week to once every 10 days. Every day is not good. It just pushes that oxygen out, and then we get the uh, root rot, and we get other... Um, secondary mm-hmm. problems with the tree so sometimes people love their tree to death for the newly planted trees and and they think a little is good more is better and more is better every day and that's just not the way to go so are you so, are you saying that the, then uh the, the rule of one inch a week still applies for a, a small tree like that yeah mm-hmm. yes yep. all right so but you have to concentrate it at the root ball let it let it uh, the the water sink in slowly. Uh, often, I tell people take a drip hose um, uh, because you know and 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 the difference. And I think uh, what I'm trying to get across is when a, a tree is mature, 
those feeder roots have gone out to the canopy. That's where the water's coming yeah. in. When a tree is young and it's still in that root ball, the feeder roots are right around the tree. So yes. for a mature tree, if you're watering at the base of the tree, you're wasting your water, unless you're watering your yes. pastas, which are next to your tree. Uh, so you're taking that out. But with a with a, a brand new tree, yes, you need to put it right on that root ball and just drip it in slowly so it can absorb it. Yeah, you can drip it in slowly. You can leave the hose there running at a quarter rate, half rate, and you can just soak that whole area and then, you know, walk away and be done for five to seven days yeah. on, on a newly planted tree. Mark your calendar and do it again next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what we recommend when we, we sell trees all the time. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a question about a lot of subdivisions that are fairly new and have small trees. The topsoil is very compacted. In some cases, pretty hard clay. Is that going to affect how you should water if you've got younger trees and very compacted soil? Yeah, um, and, and new subdivisions. If you're if you're getting two to three inches of topsoil, I mean that that's a bonus. Uh, usually, it's 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 minimal, and, and yeah. you're right. It's it's a very difficult growing environment um, for for a new subdivision that's been scraped and, and put back in. So. Uh, it, for a, for a newly planted tree, I, w- I would stick to that that same guideline and uh, plant high, drain well, hope like mm-hmm. heck. Uh, we, we certainly <laughs> deeper is not better yeah. when it comes to a clay soil. Yeah, don't bury and, that and, in that and, case. And you might not want to plant in the heat of the summer or during a drought. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice. That's when. Sometimes that's when the plant appears or when you're able to get it. But uh, there are other times of the year that might be a, a little more advantageous uh, for, yeah. for planting. Spring and fall, yes. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we just made it through the first half hour without uh, uh, everything uh, crashing and burning. How about that? Um, and, and I think people are still with us. So, uh um, and Sandra says she gets so upset when she sees volcano mulching. I do too. <laughs> you know, uh, Kathleen knows because we're driving along. Oh, look what they did! Look at that parkway! Oh, come on! Don't do that. Uh, so, hey, Mike, Mike, just as an idea too, with that volcano mulching, there are tools and techniques. There's a root uh, invigoration, and there's root crown excavation, and there's some really awesome air tools that we could use to blow that soil out, blow that mulch out of there, find those root flares, help minimize and alleviate the uh, root rot. And, and so there, there really is some, some nice tools that uh, are, do not harm the tree. And, and so there, there's some, there's some options there. And, and I'm, I think you've seen some of that root crown excavation. Yep, work. I have. Peggy and I, yeah. when we went to uh, the Bartlett Research Labs in uh, North Carolina, saw saw some of the really cool tools that you guys have. They're yeah, yeah, they're a lot of fun so, to so, watch. So, yeah, it's not the end of the world, and and so we can certainly uh, um, come in and, and, and alleviate that stress. And one of the ways you alleviate the stress is just pull the mulch away from the tree. Okay? Just pull it away from the tree. All right. We need to take a break. Here's what we're going to do. When we get into the break, uh, uh, Peggy's going to – here comes the the next part of this. (laughs) Here uh, comes the next technology SpaceX experiment here. (laughs) Peggy's going to take her camera, and Michael and Skeet, you're going to do some tree tour, a little bit of a tree tour here on the grounds. Yes. I want you to to look at the trees that uh, you've put in here. Some of them, there are – there's – um, uh, bald cypress that I we want to see, and and maybe show some of the uh, just 
the, the trees you treat and, and how they're doing. Um, and I think we might actually take a look at some viburnums and see some of the damage done by viburnum leaf beetle. Yeah, uh, there's a pretty interesting case here. And, you know, just because you have a garden center doesn't mean the viburnum leaf beetles aren't going to come to town or Japanese beetles, too, I would imagine. Oh, we have our little buckets out there for uh, collecting off the roses and, uh, you know, other problem uh, areas, but uh, particularly around the roses because that's one of their favorites, of course. Um, but our staff just kind of goes around with the little soapy water buckets and knocks them in there. Uh, we, we keep them under control pretty easily that way. I understand uh, that it's been kind of a slow Japanese beetle year, uh, and you're nodding, Skeet, so I think a lot of people are glad to hear that. I don't see them in, in the city. I, you know, I don't uh, have them in, in my backyard, so I'm very grateful that uh, they don't seem to like going at least the middle of the city. Although one of them just landed in my head. Uh, so. and we, have a, we have a very important question from Amos. He's here with donuts and wants to know how he gets in because the gate's closed. Uh, we might have to uh, set up something. Amos, hang on, dude. I want the donuts. All right, we need to take this break and uh, you guys get set up for the SpaceX uh, Part 2. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're live from the growing place. In Aurora, and I wanted to give you, uh, Michael, give me that address real quick. Uh, we're here at 2000 Montgomery Road. Um, our uh, store hours open at 10, um, and uh, we're, we're happy to help you 10 to 5 every day. We kept our hours nice and simple that way. All righty, and we will be right back. You can help slow climate change in 2021 by composting. And you don't even need a backyard. By composting communally in multi-unit buildings across Chicagoland, Collective Resource Compost has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. of oil industry lobbyists and we've paid the price with our wallets our families even our planet and now they're trying to kill progress in electric vehicles even if it means sacrificing clean air and losing over a hundred thousand american jobs to europe and china all to protect their profits it's time we stop paying for the past and charge me. into the future 
Whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, assist your soil in providing key nutrients to your plants with Spectrum Soil Inoculum from Tinyo Biologicals. The beneficial microorganisms in Spectrum break down and release vital nutrients and make them more accessible to your plants. Spectrum works with nature to decompose organic matter into humus, building richer, healthier soil. Spectrum is approved for use on certified organic crops and is OMRI listed. Get Spectrum at blazing-star.com. And welcome back come to back the, Mike, do... the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And Peggy, we're live, just to let you know. So uh, you can see there's Peggy, Fo- Peggy phone cam, and, and, and there she is uh, doing the tour camera. with... Uh, I, am, am, am I on camera? Uh, oh, yeah. You're, you're perfectly... I've got my phone flipped around, so that's uh, That's why. okay. You're doing a good job with that, faking it. Okay. So uh, let's... Uh, what, have, what have we got? Where are you guys? Uh, we're in our hydrangea area. Um, as you can see, our lovely tree form hydrangeas, uh, shrubs, hydrangeas. So uh, that's where we are right now. Uh, Steve and I were just taking a walk to take a look at some of the trees on the property. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, where do we want to start? We can, we can look, start right it's here. a tree. This is a beautiful ash tree. So um, yeah. you look at the size of this tree. I mean, this is just a gorgeous tree, autumn purple, beautiful yes. fall color on this tree. Uh, we've got the plants underneath, so we're standing in the sun right now. We could step a little bit further in the shade, enjoy this tree a little bit. And uh, again, this is one we're very proud of that we've saved from emerald ash for. So just a, a just a proud moment mm-hmm. um, here at the growing place. So tree, what tree care does work? What did you do to save it? Uh, We've done some uh, ground treatments and trunk treatments, mm-hmm. so it's not a foliar application at all. This is very concentrated to the tree. So we're very proud to uh, um, bring this through the emerald ash borer wave. And how, how long ago did you do that treatment on it? We started this initially when the emerald ash borer started. Uh, maybe seven years ago? Seven, like eight, seven, eight, yeah, eight. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So very, very fortunate. Yeah. All right. So we're going to venture. Wait, hang on. Mike's got a question. Yeah, I just go. How many? How many ash trees are there uh, on site? How many ash trees are on site? Four, I do believe. All right. Four. Four. And yeah. and yes. have yeah. and have and have all responded uh, equally well to the treatment? Have they all been treated and responded equally well? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so to our viewers, sorry, um, they can't hear Mike, so I'm translating. <laughs> you hear every question twice because <laughs> because uh, obviously uh, i i'm speaking in greek so uh, that's part of the problem here. all right move, ah. on. move on to the next tree just keep, okay moving on here keep, keep moving keep moving this is radio folks we that's right i can't here. fool around here i don't have time to fool around with you people <laughs> And by the way, we're at the Growing Place in Aurora, Illinois, live of uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is our tree tour uh, of the grounds. We're taking, st- taking the tree tour. Now we're walking outside here. All righty. We've got a crabapple tree right over here. Um, and this crabapple, and you can see another crabapple to the right by the mm-hmm. entrance there. And then the crabapple hawthorn trees at the entrance at the, the growing place as you pull in. Uh, we're very proud. We've been treating those for uh, leaf fungus, apple scab and rust leaf fungus. 
and we're looking really good this year with the, the fungus, with the fungicide mm -hmm. uh, for treatment. So is there anything we can anything we can see on the leaves here? Well, we're starting to see some heat stress. Um, that's why we've got some yellow leaves dropping. We do have some spots here and there. There's some, over 300 varieties of crab apple, so they're each going to respond a little differently mm -hmm. with some leaf fungus. So um, we're, we're looking really good. We can see some sections in here that are looking uh, really clean and clear. So nice. We're, we're proud. Mm -hmm. Remember what variety this is? I know this one is. It predates me. So okay. I do not know the variety. <laughs> of 300 varieties. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, we're we're showing the human side of uh, arboriculture. Hey, can it's, I ask a, a question apple. here? It's a crab apple. Mike's got a question. Uh, the, the question is, um, was this year a little bit better in terms of apple scab because we had such a dry spring? Was this year a little better in terms of apple scab because of our dry spring? Yes, uh, a little better due to, to, the, to the dry spring, yes. So any type of rain or moisture, airborne, those spores are still going to be available mm -hmm. and uh, land on the tree and create that favorable yeah. environment. And if we get more moisture and a lot more rain, will that start? It, it could. We're, we're really finishing the season on that. Okay. So not as concerned now as I would be uh, May, June. Yes. Okay. And what's our evergreen shrub here? Just a globe blue spruce. Uh, could you, could you say that again? from our garden. It's actually been transplanted. It's a, go ahead, say a, it again. A globe blue spruce. Mm -hmm. um, it actually was in one of our display gardens. It got a little too big, so uh, we transplanted. Okay. Um, uh, as well as our viburnum back there, it also got too big. So. Okay. Uh, All right. I got a question we, we about that. We do a lot that. of transplanting on the property. Got it. Mike's got a question. Uh, how big was that uh, spruce when you transplanted it? How difficult was it to move? So this spruce over here that I'm taking a, a quick shot of here before we go back to Michael. How big was it when you transplanted it, and how difficult was it to move? Well, I have heavy machinery on the property, so I have a nice uh, little, well, not little, it's a giant shovel that you can put mm -hmm. on a piece of machinery, um, as we have some skid steers and other machines on the property. Um, so we took as big a root ball as I thought we could muster, so probably about a four-foot-wide root ball, Okay. Uh, maybe three, somewhere in that neighborhood, kind of went from a couple different angles and, and popped it out of the ground. Um, and then we uh, placed it over here in a corresponding hole, and we had to stake it for a few years. It's been in its current location probably about uh, four or five years at mm -hmm. least. Um, and uh, it really, uh, it's just been reestablishing. It hasn't grown much since its new location. So I'd say it's pretty similar in size to what it was when we moved it. Okay. Um, maybe, you know, maybe a foot smaller, something like that, width-wise. Okay. All right. Thank so you. So let's move on to the next one. Our beautiful uh, uh, hibiscus uh, retention pond area. Most people don't get to notice it because, you know, it's down low. It's a retention pond. Um, but uh, just behind uh, Couch Road and Montgomery Road on the entryway. Um, and this time of year, the hibiscus are looking great. Yeah, everything. They're all starting to bloom. Yeah, they are. And they like the water down there, too. Uh, well, yeah, the retention area does that. It gets a little wet. Even, yeah, but, uh, the, but the hibiscus like that. Yeah, and they love that. Yeah. The hibiscus do love, love the water. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, quite a few natives that have kind of come in there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to have, have all the natives kind of 
moving in. Uh, we've been planting, well, we did plant the hibiscus originally as well. Also, we planted some acorus, uh, which is the uh, um, one of the wet-loving grasses, a native wet-loving grass, acorus. Um, and so we, we've kind of been building it out over the years after we had to put the retention on uh, area in uh, mm -hmm. when they moved Cal's Road. That was uh, 12, <laughs> at least 12 years ago, I'd say. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's a work in progress. So yeah. We're, we're enjoying it. Um, and, uh, you know, we brought you down here. Uh, besides the retention pond and the hibiscus, we've got these uh, lovely bald cypress trees. Mm -hmm. um, and, Let's uh, go down and take a, a look so I can keep have, you on uh, the microphone here. We have a nice, uh, very nice bald cypress uh, planted in our sales yard as well. Uh, these ones are the standard variety bald cypress, uh, the, the species. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it is, uh, it's actually a deciduous tree, so I know it looks like an evergreen, um, but it is not. Um, also, what makes it different than evergreens is it actually loves water. So we put it down here low, uh, where we have a little bit of, uh, most often we have water action mm -hmm. kind of moving down this way from all the water yeah. we have to do on the sales floor and stuff like that. So we do have uh, a little bit of that. Um, so, and uh, a few years back, we noticed, uh, sorry about that guy, <laughs> turned my radio on a minute ago. Um, uh, we noticed that the, the trunk was kind of oversized for the, 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 the size of the tree, and I, I was asking Skeet about what might be happening. Mm -hmm. um, so he's come up with a plan on uh, when, what he's doing for it now. So we'll go to Skeet on that, and then I have another question on it, but let's get that one answered uh, first. Like plan to me. Um, these are one of my favorites. These are, this is an evergreen that loses its needles. And so in the fall of the year, sometimes we get the call saying, my evergreen just died overnight. And it really didn't. It, it dropped its needles. And, and that's part of the Dawn wet Redwood or Cypress. Mm -hmm. So it's just a fun tree in that regard. And we did get some spider mites on these. And you find the spider mites right um, inside the, the needles and right where the needles come into the leaf veins here. And so, and then are these? And we've got some cones in yeah, there. Yeah, looking at these cones yeah. here. So just, if I don't fall down the hill yeah, here, don't fall. <laughs> uh, so we've got some cones, and wow. we've got some cone clusters up there. So we've got just some different looks. Yeah, let's these. get a good view of that those, cone here. Those cones are really cool. There you go. It's a very ancient tree. Yes. Not this particular tree, but the species. The, the species. So. And we've got. Uh, it looks like some trees and boy trees. Cones on this one next okay. door. So yeah, no um, cones over here. Some, some different varieties we've got. Uh, so skeet, skeet. Since this is more of a southern tree, yeah. Um, how how do these trees, the bald cypress, do in the winter time? If someone has one, are there any uh, precautions they need to be taking? Great question. Um, their, their range is, is right up in the north here. So this is one of those trees. But it's found more in southern Illinois, typically. More southern Illinois yeah. and, and all the way down south into uh, um, Florida, Alabama, way down south. So there's a wide, way, wide range. And the growing place is very detailed about selling and presenting trees for this zone. Mm -hmm. And so nurseries will adapt and grow trees for certain climate zones. And, and the growing place is, is very detailed about that. So um, that's the advantage of buying local from a local nursery, mm -hmm. uh, that you know you're getting a tree that's been grown in this climate zone.
Okay, Mike's right. got a question. Uh, yeah, here. I, I've I've got a question, and actually, it's uh, being sent uh, also. Uh, uh, Tree MD uh, sent this, and but it was already on my it's coming uh, from my, Scott. Well, it's actually coming from me first because I, no I, thought, I thought of it before he typed it in. Which is, what's the difference between a dawn redwood and a bald cypress? Since they they look very similar and they both drop their needles in the, in the fall. So, what's the difference between a dawn red and a bald cypress? As they look very similar and they both drop their needles. Fantastic question, Mr. Jamison. And Mr. Novak. And those Mr. Novak. Yeah, me too. Come on. The bald cypress and the dawn redwood. Redwood, think of two O's next to each other, would have holes opposite of each other. Okay. So they look very, very similar. Um, very similar. It's very difficult to tell them apart. Can, can we look? Let's look at one of these needles here that's in the sun. And, and this one is more alternate as the branching is. And... So this would be more of the bald cypress. So for our viewers, point out what you mean by alternate. Yep. Back and forth mm -hmm. as opposed to opposite. They would yeah. be coming out opposite of each other. And so the John Redwood would be an opposite. More opposite, okay. yes. And, and, what about and the, Mike's got another. Yeah, what about the range then? Is uh, you, you mentioned that uh, we're at the northern end of the bald cypress. What about uh, Metasequoia, which is uh, Dawn Redwood? What is the range for the Meta Sequoia or the Dawn Redwood? Uh, same range. Same range. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So buying really? local mm -hmm. and buying local from your nurseries. Yeah, so this would have been raised up here and not brought in. We care for one for the Naperville Park District, Knock Knowles Road. Uh, there's one over there that she whiz, probably 60, 70 foot tall. Mm -hmm. Huge, gorgeous tree. Absolutely just gorgeous tree. Um, and so. That, that's been there easily for mm -hmm. 50, 60 years. Great. So. Great. All right, what else we, we got here? this Norway maple, because this is a discussion point that comes up very often this time of the year, and people get very worried and very concerned ah. about this. What, what do we have here, Peggy? A tar spot. Woohoo! way to go. You got it. This Let me is, try to get yep. to one that's in the light yep. so we very can good, see Peggy. it. Oh, I got, I got a ding. You got it. Peggy knows her stuff. There we are. All right. This is tar spot. You know how we identify it? A big spot. It, it looks like, like it, it looks like a tar <laughs> spot. Yes. And, and this is a, another foliar uh, disease on primarily Norway maple trees. And we'll see this in the bottom half of the tree where it's a favorable environment where it's going to hold the moisture <laughs> longer. Oh, here's, uh, a, here's a bunch of them over here. Here's a bunch of them. And the good news is, you know what we do for this? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. See, Peggy knows her stuff. Yeah, we do. We look at it and go, oh, that's tar spot. And get people freaked out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, this is one of those uh, diseases where we do not need to treat. Uh, we can see there's many leaves that are, are clean, and the outer leaves and the new leaves coming in uh, are are brand new. They do not have the tar spot. You see the leaves on top where the light's getting to them and there's mm -hmm. more air circulation. It's not the favorable environment for it. So this disease does not damage the tree and therefore uh, any type of application is just not warranted. Uh, though we do get many a call about this. People love their trees and it's a fair concern to call your yeah. arborist when you see something that yep. doesn't make sense. You'd rather take the call than not, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, and 
we field a lot of those calls too. Oh yeah. 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 Right. yeah. We've got, we've got about you know, in a picture is worth a thousand words. So uh, All we, right. we appreciate that. Okay. And we can see the bottom of this tree. We were talking about the root flare and keeping the mulch off the trunk of the tree. That's mulching like a donut, not like a volcano. There we go. That sounds like a song. All right. So Mike's saying we we've only got about, about eight, seven eight, minutes, eight, eight yeah, minutes and before so the break. I want like a plan. Let's get to the let's get to the viburnum. Well, we can we can look at more of this next hour too. Yeah, and we can we can do you guys can do a little commentary on the way if you want. Yeah, yeah. This what else can you comment on here, Steve? While we're walking. Juniper in here. Okay, so we're walking over to the viburnums, just past juniper, back into. Whoops. Hello. Uh, oh, there we go. We're there back. There we go. Yep, I have no idea. I just I saw it freeze. That was like what? We just froze for a second there, but that's okay. <laughs> we're back into the ash trees over here. Up above, we have these big, big, big locust trees. Glazed maple trees, more linden trees. Um, so these are just some really outstanding overstory mm -hmm. trees. All quite old and mature trees. Quite old and mature trees. 30 plus? Yeah, 35. pretty much. Yeah, same, almost, same age as, almost same age as the property, uh, you know, because a lot of them went in when, when my parents first uh, mm -hmm. were developing the sales yard. And, uh, and um, some of them... We're actually started, uh, you know, we were going to grow some of our own trees to sell. Um, and so they ended up getting uh, transplanted from where mm -hmm. we in a field where we planted them. Okay. And uh, we had a big tree spade truck come out and move them uh, for us. So a lot of the multi-stem honey locusts, that's where those came from as well. So. Great. We can venture over this way a little bit. Okay. Walking past some of the trees that are available. These guys are one of my favorites. Anybody knows me knows I love the uh, the copper or the purple beech trees. Uh, again, something other than green to enjoy when you're out in your mm -hmm. yard. Um, and we've got the weeping redbud next to it. Uh, so over here again, diversity, diversity, diversity. Um, we, we just can't scream that enough. Yeah, let's look at these leaves on the, the different plants. The weeping redbud here. And forms and shapes. So. Tree care starts with diversity, mm -hmm. and, and so so often we end up uh, residentially with the, the three spruce in the corner, the three pine trees in the corner, the threes yeah. uh, of the same, and uh, you know, it seems like a, there needs to be a river birch in every corner of every house, <laughs> so we need yeah. to, to break this up, and, and so I just want to promote the ideas we talked about, oh, I minimize got your tree care by having a diverse landscape. I will, yeah. tell, I will tell you something that's worse than a river birch in every house, and that is a what, a, what is that? a calorie pear at every house. Uh-oh. Mike says what's even worse is a calorie pear at every house. Yeah. That is much yeah. worse, considering yeah. how freely they are being seeded by birds. <laughs> yeah. They're actually in, um, deemed invasive, and the state of Ohio bans uh, funding yeah. pear trees. That's correct, so. and uh, you know, I, I truly feel that Illinois will go that way sooner or later as well. Um, so about time. Yeah. About time, says Mike. So, do we want to head over to the viburnums, or if just you, yeah. finish up a quick little tour because we got uh, five minutes here? Head to the viburnums. Uh, well, we can we make walk. our way that way. It's, uh, 
<laughs> they might okay. be there. <laughs> Walk this way. Yeah, I know. It's the, the place is huge, and so you guys are just a. I know. There's lots of diversions. We we have about uh, five acres of a retail area. Um, so it takes a little bit minute to get from one yeah. side to the other. So we may want to pick up the Viburnums after the break. Okay. We might we might do that before we. This is an of oh boy! We talked about here's an issue. Yeah, here's a river birch that is showing some moisture stress. So people immediately look at this and look at it as as a nutrient deficiency, and this is not a nutrient deficiency. This is a moisture stress, and that the tree's defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. We can really see that it's dropping. It, yeah, exactly. It's pulling in a chlorophyll. It's pulling in resources, and it's losing and it's dropping solar panels because it just can't keep up. And and that's not bad. That's the tree telling you, hey, it's time to get some water on me here. So we got to listen to our trees. We got to look at our trees. We got to love our trees mm-hmm. and know what the trees are telling us. So and yeah. Even when it gets water this season, it might not be reliefing by this point already, or will it? It, it, it might push out some new leaves. It might thicken up being a river birch, because a river birch continually puts new growth on, where maples, some other trees, um, have their growth segment and then drop, and then you're correct, not put on new leaves. Mm-hmm. But a river birch will, will keep growing. And so um, this is these are the items that when you have a, a certified arborist from Bartlett Tree Experts come and visit you, and your trees, these are the, the teaching tools we want to mm-hmm. give you. So we want to help you understand your trees and, and give you the tools and the knowledge mm-hmm. uh, because it's a stewardship between us, you, and your trees. Yeah. So, Michael, if, if a customer comes in and sees this, how do you explain to them? Watering a potted tree is very hard. It's uh, hours can be uh, matter between too dry and not dry or too dry and, and stress damage. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so if we uh, if we didn't hit it at the right time before we left, sometimes by the next morning when we come in, it'll look like this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, all our trees that we sell are all warranted for a full year. Um, so, you know, we, we have no problems with any of the things that we sell. Um, but, you know, so if we see this, it's a teaching tool for us as well. Yeah. So we can tell people what it looks yeah. like. And give them a heads up. Yeah, but and yes. that the tree is perfectly healthy. It's Absolutely. just, it's Absolutely. just a little dry. It's just like Pete said. It's yeah. showing, it's showing you a signal. So yep. it's giving you a little sign on uh, what it needs from you. Yeah. So. Okay. Mike, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, what I'm going to say is I'm going to break here because uh, we're just about uh, at that time. Why, then mm-hmm. I'll give you guys a chance to go over to uh, the, that. And by the way, great lesson on the, the river birch. Great great lessons on the river birch, says Mike. We're uh, going to take a break. And uh, then when we come back, we'll look at the uh, viburnums and then go over hydrangea care for folks because we have some questions coming in about mm-hmm. uh, hydrangeas. So, okay, uh, sounds all right. good. All right, so... Uh, be advised, folks, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and there's Peggy, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Vic Nakashima with Bartlett Tree Experts. You know, when a tree grows in its ideal form, it's amazing how it's naturally engineered to withstand the challenges of weather and time. But defects in trees are common and make it more likely that a tree or branch will fall over the course of time or in severe weather. Some of these defects can be addressed by the addition of support systems. These systems should be installed by an arborist, one who has specific expertise in following established industry standards to help ensure safety and effectiveness 
and that the correct tools and equipment are used. A weak branch union, or V-crotch, is one common defect. It may be found close to the ground or higher up in the tree's canopy. Either way, it puts the tree at a serious disadvantage. Excessive movement of these two stems can push the strength of this union past its capacity and cause it to break. So it could use some additional support, an advantage if you will. We can help limit the movement of these two stems by cabling them together higher up in the canopy of the tree. Some trees may also benefit from a bracing rod, which is a threaded rod installed directly through the branch unit. These add strength to the defective area when it experiences excessive force, often caused by these stems twisting in the wind. For over a century, Bartlett Tree Experts has been developing cabling and bracing systems that have become the industry's standard. We can design and install a support system that can help minimize the impact a defect has on your tree and help it to weather the storm. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a sipson of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music. Yeah. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I can. I, I that see would be me. That would be you. And and you can't see. Can you see this at all, Peggy? No. Okay. That's a donut. No. I the donuts have arrived. Okay. Ah. Okay. Amos Amos has brought the donuts and uh, you thank be, you Amos uh, and you get to meet Amos when when you come back here but you guys have more work to do I just wanted um, um, mm-hmm. uh, oh that's good, hey, yeah. stop licking your fingers and I know uh, well I'm trying I'm, I'm going to put all that stuff <laughs> uh, we had we had uh, Bob who 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 wrote water that birch um, and. Uh, We've had questions about hydrangeas, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but we had a question here. How do you tell the difference between... Oh, by the way, before I get to that... Oh, and we w- by the way, we will be looking at a Dawn Redwood as we walk back to the hydrangeas later. So we get to see uh, the difference there. Yes. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're broadcasting, streaming live from the growing place in Aurora, in case you just tuned mm-hmm. in, uh, and people are starting to come in to uh, the garden center now uh so there will be some folks around here and as i said the donuts have arrived um and and you guys are continuing your tour uh in the last half hour we went and looked at some trees and shrubs um and uh one of the questions we're going to look at this okay and i'll ask the question when we come back i'm going to go to uh i need to get this up here so we can get a shot there we are this is uh, Peggy phone cam in uh, part of the uh, the grounds here at the garden center. And what are we? Mm-hmm. What the heck are we looking at here? What are we looking at here, Skeet? What are we looking at, Michael? All right. Um, these are viburnums. These are what, what varieties, Michael? Uh, so these are both arrowwood viburnums. Mm-hmm. That's the viburnum family that gets most affected by the viburnum leaf beetle. 
Um, uh, we've had these planted here for, you know, 12, 15 years, something like that at least. Um, and I have two varieties. We got Chicago Luster, which is uh, the most afflicted. And then we have the taller variety, which is Autumn Jazz. Uh, still showing some damage, but growing through But it, not fine. lacy like this one, not although quite as, uh, beat up as I'm the, uh, seeing this ha does have new growth. There is still new growth, and that's uh, the viburnums do push through. Um, mm -hmm. When uh, viburnum leaf beetle uh, became effective in mm -hmm. our area, uh, we actually discontinued selling arrowwood viburnums. Okay. Uh, so these are a relic at this point. Uh, you know, so but a lot we, of people have We don't have want them. people to have this problem. But a lot of people are. have... Uh, have the but, plants already. You know, if you've already, you had purchased one, um, you know, previous to uh, when the beetles started showing. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, yeah. even this new growth has yeah, got but show, so, yeah. a Peggy, beetle issue. Yeah, yeah you're going in on the new growth, but go on on the old the, growth. The good news is when, yeah. when it's at this level, there still are some treatments available. Um, the number one uh, treatment would be cultural, where in the winter, these could be by two to four feet and just rejuvenate the plant. Yeah. And the viburnum leaf beetle lays its eggs in the top foot to two foot of the plant. Mm -hmm. So if we can reduce this by two to three feet in the winter time, um, we can rejuvenate the plant. Um, so that that's an option. Um, there's another option where we can uh, do a systemic into the to the ground in the fall of the year. So as the beetle starts feeding in spring, um, it's a so painful the leaf beetle. Mm -hmm. So. There's some uh, ground treatments available. Um, number one would be cultural, though, uh, really reducing yeah. um, the, the egg mass and, and uh, pruning in the wintertime would be the way to go there. And then at the other end down here, we've got some neat interaction going on. Hang on, I'm snagged. Uh, <laughs> right at the end here, we see quite a few ants, and we got kind of detail on this. We can see there's some aphids on the ants, or excuse me, on the viburnum. So they're farming them. Exactly. And so, they're so, crawling on me now. Oh, Shoot. It's all, it's all, <laughs> it's all from the <laughs> so, so we've got aphids um, sucking Live on the radio, plant. folks. Yeah, we've got aphids sucking on the plants, and then we've got the... Uh, what oh, the, yeah. Look so at all we, that. Yeah. So, so we've got the aphids and the aphids suck on the plant and insert, and then they deposit the sugars, mm -hmm. and the ants love the sugars, and um, the ants will also go ahead and capture the aphids and bring those back to the nest for the for the mm -hmm. clean ants. In other words, farming it. Farming it, yeah, exactly. So so we've got some neat interactions going on at, at the end here. And kudos to Peggy as she sacrificed and got a bunch of ants on her. <laughs> so, well, but yeah, but pretty awesome like that. Also, so, kudos to hang on. Uh, with, to skate with viburnums like this, they're, they're not lost. K kudos to Skeet for for spotting this as we walked no, by. No, 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 for for the critter uh, carnival so, because so uh, he's bringing. are not lost. And oh they're, they're yeah. A treatment are uh, they're they're a neat experimental and that's fun at mm -hmm. the growing place that they're they're gonna. Um, experiment with plants and show yeah. different options. But Skeet, yeah. what Mike's saying is this is also part of Skeet's Critter Carnival. Uh, Skeet's Critter Carnival. I, I, did not, I did not bring the bag one oh. this time, I know. Uh, we had enough excitement. <laughs> I appreciate that. Place. Thank right. you. Yeah. Right. Mike will yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. I didn't bring any bag worms here. But, so. 
But have you been seeing any bagworms this year? Yeah, bagworms are uh, are out, and this is the time of the year that they're out of the bags, and the treatment time is right now. So uh, look for uh, bagworms primarily, and arborvitaes would be the one okay. that to look and, for. And, and look all the way around the plant, not just the side you look at, because you'll be amazed yeah. uh, on the back side that you don't see sometimes. And we can um, talk about the bagworms more when we get back there, but yeah, Mike. Yeah, no, one of our listeners had um, a uh, a comment about it, and it's this. <laughs> about the bagworms? Yeah, well, about bagworms and the and the and the aphids and yeah. the uh, viburnum leaf beetle and all of it. So I just thought I'd uh, okay. I'd throw that in. We, but we will spare our listeners' ears of having me repeat that to ski. No, 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 you're not. <laughs> it was the, right. it's the screaming marmot. It was the screaming okay. marmot. Okay, yeah. okay, but be, 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 yeah. before you go, before you go, there's no bagworms at the growing. Place. Before we go from the viburnum. No, uh, before you... And uh, we do actually have a lot of customers that bring in uh, things for us to look at to help, mm-hmm. uh, you know, identify what's happening in their yard. And we do appreciate if they go ahead and bag it before bringing it in so that uh, <laughs> it doesn't we can escape. take a look at it in a clean, uh, keep it in a contained environment. So, yeah, if you are bringing things in to come show our staff who are more than knowledgeable enough to help, um, just go ahead and bag it. Um, but don't leave it in your car for a few days before bringing it in probably a fresh sample in a bag mm-hmm. and we'll help take a look and see what we can figure out for you okay uh, mike did a, you have another question yeah i have one uh, before you guys leave the area i wanted you to show uh, our viewers the difference between uh, the two species of viburnum and okay the, the difference in the damage uh, so going close to the so, yeah so let's look at the arrowwood this particular arrowwood and this other one and compare the damage scheme okay well you can see um complete laciness, defoliation. Uh, the plant is trying, though. I mean, I mean, kudos to this viburnum, um, trying to bounce back. This one uh, is a little more resistant yeah, to it. Yeah, has got some berries and still. some berries, and, and so just uh, different varieties have different responses to the viburnum leaf beetle. So the other's an arrowwood, and this is a... This is also an arrowwood. Okay. It's just autumn jazz variety. Autumn jazz uh, versus, versus the Chicago. Chicago Luster was okay. the other one. Yeah. Uh, those were the two. Those were the two main varieties that we were selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had started releasing some smaller cultivars mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but that was just a few years maybe before the the viburnum leaf beetle became kind of a thing okay. in our area. Um, and like I said, we just kind of discontinued selling all of them because we don't need to give you a problem. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Now you can head over to the Keep hydrangeas. Um, Let's and I- head over to the hydrangeas, but we're going to stop at the Dawn Redwood on the way. Right, and I, I'm going to ask a question that came in uh, via our chat box, and it is, how do you okay. tell the difference between drought stress and nutrient uh, deficiency? production facilities, mm-hmm. so we're kind of... Uh... Well, hang on, we got a question coming in. So how do you tell the difference between, um, and let's go where I can actually see you guys, drought stress and nutrition or nutrient deficiencies? Nutrient deficiencies, you'd see right away in the spring of the year when there's a lot of moisture in the spring of the mm-hmm. year and and that's going to stay and it's throughout the entire canopy of the tree uh, drought or moisture stress will be more random on the tree okay okay depends okay. on the variety some of them show it more on the tips uh sign on the birches we saw more on the inside um uh, for for drought stress and and moisture okay yeah. mike right. it sounds like there's another question uh, no, I just want you guys to keep moving so we can get to the hydrant. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> We're moving. We're moving. Moving on along here. I saw Peggy was showing you. 
Um, we have uh, 17 production greenhouses on the property here. Mm -hmm. uh, we grow uh, over 50% of our perennials and annuals that we sell, and that all happens back here. Um, and uh, our production field as well. Okay. So, uh, all right. That's where that's happening. Moving past the peonies here. Got some hostas. Shade perennials. So just a wide variety of different, all sorts of shade, sun, hostas, shade grasses, shade ground covers, shade ferns. So if you need some shade plants, there's definitely a huge selection over we, here. We try and use the trees to our advantage. So shady, loving plants kind of end up underneath the trees. Uh, sunny, loving plants end up out in the sun, obviously. Uh, this is our perennial section. It is uh, uh, probably our biggest department. Mm -hmm. um, and we have uh, thousands of varieties mm -hmm. of perennials uh, when you include all the different cultivars of the different yeah. families. You have uh, natives? We section. do sell natives. Uh, we sell them uh, both in a little tiny plug form, so you can get little starters. Um, and then we also sell them potted up. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice uh, on our, so right in front of the shade grass sign, we've got the little native flags hanging up above the uh, sign. Ah, okay. So our little native flags will point so out to you. So the carrots ready out of, for example. Um, so where where the, uh, the natives are. Nice. Uh, so Great. they are mixed in the alphabet under mm -hmm. their Latin names, as Mike was saying earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, if natives are your thing, we feel like we do a really good job with them and have a lot of uh, varieties uh, for you to choose from. Uh, we, uh, we do a lot of, uh, we do some production of our own natives. Mm -hmm. We also get some from uh, the Natural Garden natives, uh, which uh, is based out of St. Charles. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, we really do, uh, a lot with right plant, right place and natives are going to be the right plant every time, uh, for our local area. So, yeah. Sounds good. All right, Skeet, let's head on over to this, uh, Dawn Redwood here. Sounds like a plan. Sorry, we're kind of heading into the sun a little bit hard to see, I'm sure here. No, it's fine. You're looking good. Okay. So lots of, uh, different echinacea varieties we're passing. Some of the um, decorative alliums, shrub roses, miniature roses, climbing roses, so a large rose selection. Sun grasses, and we were looking at the shade grasses before. Actually, I wanted to look at this larch that we had passed, just because it's so pretty. It's the full sun larch. How does, so full sun, but what type of conditions? Uh, well drained and some moisture would be good. So a uh, clay front yard uh, would, would not be the most ideal mm -hmm. uh, place for this. So, um, again, this is uh, one of those evergreens that you really need to know what you're getting into because it's not going to be full and thick. Uh, for most people, think of that as screening, like the spruce in the background. This mm -hmm. is going to be more of an open, and this one also drops its needles in the fall of the year. So... I, I like it. It's a, it's a gnarly, contorted, fun <laughs> tree. So uh, if you're in that, that reminds you of a Monty Python sketch. Exactly. So if you're into that, this is the tree to go with. Perfect. Yes. And here's the John Redwood. Yeah. So if we could look at, for the uh, listener that wanted to know, you were talking before about the differences in the... Yeah. Oh, and let's sure. see. I can't get, can I get the Monarch a, while we're doing this? A bald cypress. It's uh, the Shawnee Brave variety mm -hmm. of bald cypress. 
Um, and uh, the Shawnee Brave is uh, supposed to stay narrower, I guess. Okay. You can't see me do it this way. So that way, narrower uh, compared to the species, which is, you know, 40, 50 feet wide, uh, Shawnee Brave, uh, which they actually have planted a lot of them at the Arboretum yeah. in Lyle. Um, and uh, they kind of have more of a columnar I've habit. I've seen some of them like there. 20 yeah. feet wide as opposed to that 40 or 50 feet wide that the regular bald cypress get. Great. Speciosa. And uh, since we're right here, here's some more of those viburnums Michael was talking about that are different uh, varieties. That are replacements for the arrowwoods. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, these are all in the, the, the uh, Korean spice family. Mm -hmm. So uh, really fragrant uh, flowers in ah. the springtime. Super sweet smelling, uh, you know, and they're early flower as well. So really a beautiful, beautiful plant. Okay, off to the hydrangeas. The climbing hydrangea yeah. gets a lot of compliments. Uh, about 20, 25-year-old climbing hydrangea. Mm -hmm. um, we do sell climbing hydrangeas. It is not uh, uh, sold as a shrub. It is in our vine section mm -hmm. uh, up with the perennials. But, Any uh, special care tips on climbing hydrangeas? Well, they like uh, a shady spot, obviously, because they're uh, meant to climb on uh, trees, let's just take, like they are. Let's go take a look here, but I need you to follow my microphone. All right, I'll move with the microphone. Um, if you look up here, Peggy, so you can kind of see that's why they named it hy climbing hydrangea, because the flower looks a lot like a lace cap hydrangea flower. Um, but uh, technically, it's not actually in the hydrangea family. Ah, it's, uh, okay. it's divine, um, and I can't remember the Latin name for it off the top of my head, but I know where the vines are, so I can always find it on the property. <laughs> okay. I, I have a question. Uh, Mike's got a question. Uh, you're Go not ahead. You're not doing any damage to that tree by having the climbing hydrangea up in it? Is there any potential damage to the tree having this uh, climbing hydrangea? I have, uh, we haven't seen any damage to our tree. The, the silver maple here is beautifully healthy mm -hmm. um, and just kind of going along, doing its thing. Um, sometimes the vine actually does die back a little bit if we have a harsh winter. Okay. Um, but uh, at this point, you can hardly tell. So you, if you look at this branch, you can see there's a, there's a, a dead vine on that branch. Um, which used to go up uh, almost 30 feet up that branch, but uh, as of right now, that one is not yeah. reclaimed. Um, but you can see uh, it just grabs on with little fingers onto the bark, mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't do any girdling or anything of the tree. Okay. And, and I, would, I would agree, we just need to be selective of the tree that this gets put around. Mm -hmm. Silver maple is a hardy tree, and, and training it to grow up one side as opposed to yes. around and around trunks and trunks. Uh, would be an issue. <laughs> and by the way, the... Okay. Uh, the we're, we're having ant issues over here, by the way. <laughs> okay. And the name that uh, that Michael was looking for is Hydrangea Anomala Petiolaris. Hydrangea Anomala Petiolaris. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad he agrees. Okay. <laughs> I think you, Mike, you get a ding for that. Okay. Some more of our beautiful display gardens, um, and we work again with the natural trees that we have. Mm -hmm. Well, planted trees that we planted on the property to kind of create shade spaces, yeah. sun spaces, 
and give us a lot of... Uh, We've got some nice, uh, some uh, nice natives here. we see milkweed, we always let it go, of course, so mm-hmm. that the monarchs are happy. And we've got some asters growing here, starting to bloom. Yeah. Uh, All the right. smoke bush, of course, behind you is kind of a, a, a favorite of customers. They, they see the smoke flowers in the summertime, and they want to know what that beautiful purple smoke is. Yeah. Um, so we do sell a lot of uh, the smoke bush that way mm-hmm. as well. Um, pretty yeah. popular plant. Yeah, you've got a nice mix in here, the Joe Pie and some of the mellows, different Coreopsis. Are you guys ever going to get to the hydrangeas? We're, we're getting there. They're right on the other side. Mike wants us to get to the hydrangeas. Come on, get moving, get moving, get with the program. All right, Hydrangea City, right here. All right, well, that's all the time we have. Good night, everybody. Hydrangeas, we carry a lot of different varieties of hydrangeas. The sun-loving ones we carry on tree forms so that you can have that. Uh, in your in your bed, you don't have to plant a birch the on the pyramid of your ones. house. Um, you want me to stand with them behind me there? So sure. Well, do you want to go over and let's look at those? We can certainly go closer to those. Limelight. Limelight hydrangea trees. Um, the tree forms uh, are actually just a bush that they've trimmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take all the lower limbs off as it's growing at the nursery. Um, and, uh, you know, so then you have this beautiful uh, head on top of a, a mm-hmm. tree stem for you, for your flowers. Yeah. Um, quick fire, I believe, is behind me. Um, and uh, quick fire is more of that lace cap. And uh, the nice part about quick fire is it is an early flowering one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start getting those flowers more like June time as yeah. opposed to wait until July. Uh, which is why they're further along. Yeah, so these have color. already changed color. They've so these would start as, as like a green or a white? They start out as a white, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the quick fire starts out primarily yeah. as white. Limelights do have that green stage. Yeah. Um, which we as can, you can see kind of see right here. there. Yeah. Um, when they're immature, they're kind of green. And then they'll also turn pink as well. So mm-hmm. true of all the panicle style hydrangeas, which will be the tree forms and all the sun-loving ones, uh, with mm-hmm. the cone-shaped flowers, uh, those go through the color change. Each individual flower uh, starts out uh, with that white or lime greeny mm-hmm. color, and then it'll progress to white, um, and then progress to pink mm-hmm. after that. Um, before it turns to tan, and you can leave those flowers on through the wintertime, they look beautiful yeah. in the wintertime with snow and, and frost on them. Yeah. So are there any special considerations when planting a limelight or one of the one of these tree forms? Uh, sometimes you may need to stake it just because mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, a little top heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, we try not to stake trees unless they have to be uh, so that they can develop their own strength. Because if you're tying that tree super tight and just holding it rigid, uh, it's going to grow bigger on top than it can actually support on its mm-hmm. own. So if that string or uh, wire that you're using for tying ever breaks, it's going to fall over on you yeah. and you're not going to be happy. So. If you do stake it up, try and leave it a bit loose so it's got its own movement and it can uh, rigid itself up and okay. strengthen itself up. And what about watering needs for tree hydrangeas? Same as the, the shrubs and like we were talking about newly planted trees uh, mm-hmm. before, kind of soak that root ball area uh, once a week, uh, every uh, you know four to seven days depending mm-hmm. on how quickly your soil dries out. Um, and especially... Um, because a lot of the trees that we sell are potted trees, um, 
uh, that potting soil actually dries out faster than the clay soil that you're okay. planting in. Mm -hmm. So you may end up uh, just kind of sticking your finger in the where the root ball is and finding out if it's uh, wet or dry. So I always use my digital meter, um, but you can always get a little, uh, an actual meter with a scale on yeah. it um, and use that as well for checking moisture. Um, and that's really key on newly planted things. Anything that you newly plant in your yard is really what it comes down to is uh, a maintenance on it. I've got a question uh, here. The trees are Mike, a nice Mike's to start. got a question. Um, and uh, I will say that uh, for folks watching and listening, the uh, my boy, thank you, Restream. My chat box just disappeared and it erased all uh -oh. of the comments that we had up to this point. Um, and I know we had some about um, uh, hydrangeas, but one question is uh, about the tree hydrangeas. Do you have to bury them in the winter like you do tree roses? So, what question is from a viewer? Do you have to bury them? Uh, tree hydrangeas, do you need to bury them at all in the winter like you would tree roses? No, not at all, no. Um, you're going to treat this like a regular tree mm -hmm. uh, where you get that root flare right at ground level okay. or even a little higher um, because just like a regular tree, it can girdle itself if you get it planted too deep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other questions, Mike? Uh, I'm going to track down. I went to. I just went to the YouTube uh, stream so I can find that those the questions are all still up there so um, okay, great. And, and I'll track down the other uh, questions that we might have well had we go here. look at more hydrangeas oh here's one here's Lots one more to see in hydrangeas uh, Mike Mike uh, uh, Prisvilla so hang on we got one more question uh, he Sorry. says I tried seven I tried several different things to protect my hydrangea that blooms on old wood but they die back to the ground what should I do so a viewer says, I've tried several different things to protect my hydrangea, I presume over the winter, that blooms on old wood, um, but they still die back down to the ground. What, what should he do? Or is that normal? Um, so that's a, probably a different type of hydrangea. That's not going to be a plant panicle style. Mm -hmm. We can get to those in a minute if you okay. want to wait for that. Um, sure. I'd be happy to talk about that because my guess is it's a, a big leaf hydrangea, like a macrophylla. Um, the, the Endless Summer series, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, those are some of our shade hydrangeas, okay. uh, which uh, I can cover a little bit more in depth later. Sure, okay, so let's, we'll finish the panicles. Yeah, the panicles, again, the, the paniculata, paniculata um, cone-shaped flower, sun-loving, which is awesome, um, and usually really big showy flowers. They come in a different varieties of heights and sizes. Um, and we try and keep a good selection of all of them. Um, but you'll just check the signs for how big they grow. Um, uh, so this one's going to be a little smaller than quick fire um, at four to six, whereas mm -hmm. quick fire is going to be that six to eight. It's yeah. a really big one. Um, so and, and one thing, on, especially on the quick fires and on the limelights, yes. that people don't always think of, they plant it close to a sidewalk. Yeah. After a rain, the whole thing is drooped down. It does droop down, yeah. Yeah, because those flower heads are heavy. Yeah. And then you add water weight to that, too. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it gets to be quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, just give it space when you're, when you're sighting those, of course. Because, uh, you know, you want to work with the full size that it is. Uh, this, this flower head is spectacular. Wow. Uh, the growers have some, some pretty miraculous... Uh, so that, that's, that's my hand, just, right? just in, in comparison. Pretty miraculous fertilizing programs at some of the growers that we buy from. Um, so, so what are we looking at? That's a limelight. That's a limelight as well. Wow. So, a uh, little atypical. They're not normally that big, 
Uh, we do carry another variety that does get uh, quite large like that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called Phantom Hydrangea. Yeah, I think that's on one of your videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could be on uh, one of our videos. I don't always have Phantom in stock because it is a little harder to find. Yeah. Um, but it does the flower heads that are just massive like that. Okay, so Mike, we're coming up on a break in two minutes. Uh, yes, we are. Um, and and what we uh, can some do of the short loving hydrangea, uh, short loving panicles. Okay. Uh, little lime is going to be one of the most popular ones. Mm -hmm. So these uh, get how tall? Just two to three feet. Okay. Two to three feet. I do have some mature ones planted in out by our, our driveway, um, and we take customers out there all the time to kind of look at some of the different varieties. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah. Did you want to try and do another type uh, real quick before we go? No, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's take a break. Um, what let's we'll, take a break. What, yeah, right, we're, we'll we're, we're, we're going to take a, a, a break here. We're at the growing place. You can see that's Michael Massett, and uh, we're talking hydrangeas. We've got a couple of hydrangea questions. Uh, that's Skeet. And there's uh, Skeet. Okay. That's the not. all here. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody is here, and that's Peggy. I'm here. There's Peggy there, too, as well. <laughs> all right. Let's take a, a short break, and uh, and folks should know there's uh, no DeMaio today. He's, uh, boy, I don't know why he went to Florida, of all places to go. That's the, that's not a state I would go to right now. But uh, no. uh, we will be so. back in just a couple of minutes. Hang in there. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from The Growing Place in Aurora, Illinois. Whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, assist your soil in providing key nutrients to your plants with Spectrum Soil Inoculum from Tinyo Biologicals. The beneficial microorganisms in Spectrum break down and release vital nutrients and make them more accessible to your plants. Spectrum works with nature to decompose organic matter into humus, building richer, healthier soil. Spectrum is approved for use on certified organic crops and is OMRI listed. Get Spectrum at blazing-star.com. This guy's a real jerk. He thumbs his nose at rules and basic common sense, acting like he's the only one who matters. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a beer on a boat if you do it responsibly. But that's a big if for this jerk. What a jerk. This jerk's an accident waiting to happen. Sit up and keep your eyes on the water, jerk. Irresponsible boating endangers not only you, but others on the water. Hey, jerk, you're too close to the shore and you're going to get stuck. We warned you. It's important to be aware of your surroundings at all times to avoid mishaps or more serious accidents. This jerk's equally as clueless in a kayak, running through the lines of those fishing near the shore. Some jerks also have no concept of personal space. When someone else hooks a fish, he swoops right in the same spot. What a jerk move. The worst kinds of jerks are the ones who leave a mess behind wherever they go. Um, that's not a sports drink. Sure, fishing line mishaps happen, but not disposing of it properly can be deadly for wildlife. Jerk. 
Our message is simple. Follow the rules, use common sense, and stay safe to ensure a pleasurable experience for all preserve visitors. In other words, don't be a jerk. You have the ability to give your soil a superpower. It's called composting. If you don't have a backyard, you need to contact Collected Resource Compost. CRC has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. They bring you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter from your kitchen, they swap it out and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectedresource.us. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We're in the home stretch here. We're live from the growing place in Aurora. You can see Peggy there on uh, the Peggy Cam, and uh, and uh, and we're and we're we've got a few more things to talk about regarding mm-hmm. hydrangea care. Uh, this yeah. is like this is great stuff, Peggy. I got to tell you, I'm loving this tour mainly because I get to sit back and coast here. Um, you're sitting there eating donuts. We're I'm out eat, here working. I, I'm eating donuts. And you're eating donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and putting well, up glazing all over my computer and equipment here. So. Uh, oh dear. Um, so let's let's go back to Michael. We're going to get through some Annabelle and some other hydrangeas. Uh, some gorgeous oak leaves over here, and Skeet's going to point out a couple more trees as we go too. So back to you, Michael. All right. Um, uh, you know, so we were talking about the panicle style hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those are also great because they flower so well on the new growth. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to worry about them dying back like the, the other question was. Um, and spring pruning is fine for those. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you spring do sp- late spring, it just delays your flowers. Yeah. You'll just still get like, them. Like the Annabelles, too. You um, can spring. And the Annabelles, too, um, which is actually the next variety we can talk about. Okay. So Annabelle-style hydrangeas, uh, definitely more of a ball-shaped flower. Um, and, uh, they are, um, you know, regular maintenance would be actually just kind of cutting them back, uh, almost to the ground every spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of do like a six, nice six to 12 six inches, to 12 inches, nice, even cut across them mm-hmm. and they reflush again. Um, one thing with the Annabelle style hydrangeas that people tend to, uh, not appreciate as much is the weight of the flower head does drag it over, mm-hmm. especially after rain and wind. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times you do that spring cut, and you can actually see these ones have been spring cut as well, um, back down to about mm-hmm. six inches. Um, and, and when they're in your garden, what you do after you've pruned it is you place a little grow-through frame, which would be like a, a checkerboard pattern. Okay. Uh, a yeah, you could that, buy them or make them. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that'll hold those stems up for you. Nice. Uh, when they get nice and big and full. Uh, I got a question uh, about that real quick. Mike, Mike's got a question. Uh, when you cut them back in the spring, is that bef- that's before they bloom, right? So you would be cutting them back in the spring at what point? Uh, early spring is best, but you can cut them back a little bit later. Uh, like uh, like Peggy said, it'll just delay the flowers mm-hmm. a bit if you okay. cut them a little too late. So. If it's already starting to form flower heads, though, it's too late. Yeah, probably a little too late. Uh, my... My favorite example of, uh, you know, prime uh, what not to do horticulturally is you see the landscapers and their pruning crews start going out in like July um, and uh, June and July. And that's right when the hydrangeas are starting to flower. You know what they do? They take the head shear and just shear off all the flowers. And then, you know, people are like, what was that green bush in front of my house? 
I never see flowers on it. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> well, you know, if you have a maintenance contract, you might want to, uh, you may need to know what you have uh, because I, I can tell you from personal experience um, uh, that, you know, the landscape companies that offer services like that don't always send the most knowledgeable people out to do the job. And they just kind of do what their boss told them to do. Um, which, or you get, you get uh, a landscaping company that does know what they're doing. Yes, if, you, if you're using a landscape company, um, then you would find somebody else to do it. That's, uh, you know, if they're not able to understand or know what your plants need. Um, so, but hydrangeas, panicle style hydrangeas are a prime one of those that I see the landscapers. Sometimes they're actually in flower and the landscapers oh, are still going yikes. through and hacking them down and, and reshaping yeah. them into the perfect little meatball that apparently is what they're paid to do. Okay, so you want to look at the macrophyllas or the uh, uh, endless summers? The macrophyllas are endless summers. Let's okay. get those next. Um, uh, these are probably the most promoted uh, hydrangea there is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, every, why, why is every that? gardening magazine you open, every, you know, I think I hear them on the radio at least twice a week. Um, you know, they are the most heavily promoted hydrangea there is. Um, because it's still a ball-shaped flower that people like, um, but they do colors. So um, they do either pink or blue. Um, and, uh, you know, funny story, I, I traveled out uh, west to Oregon for mm -hmm. um, a, a garden center uh, mm -hmm. program that I was doing. And they all have these bright blue hydrangeas out there because they have this beautiful acidic soil along the coast. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to make them pink. Um, so it's literally the opposite of what we have yeah. here. Uh, where well, the, gra the grass is greener or, or pinker greener or bluer. Or bluer or, or yeah. On the opposite side. Well, you've of, got uh, some great examples here of, of, um, of, of blue, color. Yeah. blue turning pink. Yeah. So sometimes that mix of colors is actually my favorite, where it's kind of a pinky blue iridescent. Um, and uh, so... Pink is what you're normally going to have in your yard. Uh, and what, why is that? Because of the alkalinity of the soil that we have, that clay base that we were talking about mm -hmm. that everybody has. It's the opposite of acidic, which is what changes them to blue. So um, if you really want that blue flower, uh, I always warn people, it's an uphill battle. You're out there at least twice a year applying some acidifier to the soil. Um, and you may get it blue, you may get it halfway to blue. If you want that blue flower, move to Michigan. Uh, Michigan has lovely acidic <laughs> soil too, um, and the coasts are really good for acidic soil. Um, but uh, here in the Midwest, uh, especially the glacier scrape states, mm -hmm. um, are very, very alkaline. So literally the opposite of what we have. Okay. Um, let's and, uh, uh, take a look at the oak leaves over here. All right, let's take a look at the oak leaves. Oak leaves are actually one of my favorite types of hydrangeas. I think they're super underrated. Um, uh, these have massive leaves on them and uh, little known facts would be uh, that that they have uh, some peely bark. This one's got, this one's a little bit. Peely bark in there the exfoliation? Is that what you're talking Sorry, about? Sorry, we're, we're like, we're, we're digging in the hydrangeas. Yeah. <laughs> we're just having fun with the hydrangeas. So hydrangea stems actually have peely bark. A little bit like a nine bark or a birch tree almost. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. That's and nothing that's to be normal. concerned that's about. And that's That's how they look. Um, and when they've lost their leaves in the wintertime, you have that extra, extra bit of winter interest mm -hmm. there. Um, 
the oak leaves do that cone-shaped flower again. Mm -hmm. um, and the only one that's showing right now is a lace cap style um, where it's got more of the space in between the flowers. Mm -hmm. um, but there are full mop head style ones too yeah. in the oak leaf families. Just not, um, none of them are you Now, oak leaves actually flower right usually a little earlier, yeah. like June time. So, um, uh, yeah, June, July. So, um, so are these any... ones uh, from the growers are not having, showing any flowers right now. Um, so I try not to trim my oak leaves if at all possible. Okay. Um, uh, they do tend to flower better on the older growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, much like the endless summers and the macrophyllas, uh, leave as much stem as you possibly can uh, to get the most flowers out of it. Yeah. And the oak leaves are going to get gorgeous color in the fall. They do a gorgeous color change yeah. in the fall. Okay, uh, but uh, I have I have a question. Red, um, yeah, I, I I have a question um, about. Um, uh, pruning uh, oak leaf hydrangeas because here's my problem and you can tell Michael this uh, that I have an oak leaf hydrangea in my backyard but my backyard mm -hmm. is tiny so I have to keep okay. it in in shape so you can start with that right so Michael's got Mike Novak's got a very small backyard but he does have an oak leaf yes but limited growing space and he wants to keep it in shape sure so, so part two of your question part two is when do you prune the blooms, because the blooms will last for months. Do you plume, prune them right after they stop being white when they turn to mm -hmm. pink, or do you wait till they turn brown? Because uh, you're supposed to get to pruning uh, right after a plant blooms. So when exactly do you prune an oak leaf hydrangea to, to, to have any kind of hope of getting a bloom next year? So Mike's question is, after the when, when's the best time to prune the the bloom. Um, since you're supposed to prune it afterwards, do you get after it's white? Do you wait till it turns pink? Do you wait till it turns brown? Do you prune it in the spring, in the winter? When do you prune it so that to make sure it blooms the following year? Um, I would bloom or uh, prune right after flowering, so about August time, um, so that it can still set buds for the following okay, year. So you wouldn't leave them on an oak leaf in the winter? Um, you. You absolutely can, but if you're trying to control size, mm -hmm. um, then you're going to want to prune right after it starts browning, basically. So, okay, um, that sounds good. You said that sounds good. All right. All right, that There's was an easy There's also nice small varieties, too. So you pick yeah, out... Yeah, we were looking like at this peewee. It's only three to four, uh, maybe four to five wide. Mm -hmm. um, there's another one called Munchkin. Um, so they do have uh, and This is Alice. Varieties. So Alice is going to get four That's to six. One of the big yeah. Ones. So yeah, five, four to six feet tall. Um, a little bit there. But they're um, all going to give you the wonderful color. Yeah, the nice fall color uh, will be there uh, with any of the varieties. Um, and then, so like I said, some of the varieties are going to be a little bit more mop head uh, versus the lace cap, um, as we saw the difference between the limelight and the quick mm -hmm. fire when we were first looking. Um, I know there was a question about, um, and I'm going to get take a big stab at it that it was probably a macrophylla when we were talking about mm -hmm. the question came through about yeah, how I to think, try and keep those so. alive because those yeah. absolutely flower much better on the old wood uh, versus the new wood um, which is literally the difference between last year's growth and this year's growth mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know uh, my my biggest apology is they're overmarketed um, so and that's the endless summer. that's the endless summers uh, the, I, we sell them, uh, we get requests for them day in, day out, um, but they might be just slightly yeah. over-promised, especially for our area. So they do better in Minnesota, where we get nice snow cover, mm -hmm. 
they get nice snow. We don't get it. They get nice snow yeah. cover, um, so that kind of protects the branches over now, the winter. And they also do better in the southern states uh, where uh, it's not as harsh yeah. a winter, and they don't die back. But in, uh, you know, Arctic, So what's, what's your top choice of hydrangeas then for the Chicago area? Uh, for Chicago area, the, the any of the Annabelle styles are going to be absolutely the best for the shade, um, which would be the substitute for the, the, the endless summer. Mm -hmm. um, and there are actually, um, let's see if I have any here. Let me bring one over for you. For you. I'll follow you. You're mobile. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so some of the Annabelles have started being bred for color as well. So okay. this one is Invincible Ruby. Um, and it will colored uh, have a colored flower in the <laughs> I love the, I love where they crossed um, out full so, shade and, and put you know, in part not shade. Not blue, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at least not yet. Maybe yeah. eventually they'll have well, a Well, maybe in one. another state. Uh, um, but uh, uh, the, the, the Annabelle style with uh, the, the mm -hmm. pink colored flowers, um, probably uh, going to be your best bet. Okay. Um, because... I, I will sell the, the endless summers, but I do put that caveat on there that they tend to flower better, especially maybe three, four years down the road. Mm -hmm. um, those first several years, it's just they tend to flower only on the old growth. Mm -hmm. Pruning on the endless summers is wait until it starts greening in the springtime and only clip off dead. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that'll, be, can I, uh... Uh, that'll be how to, how to deal with your endless summers. Um, and if they are dying back, uh, we've done as much as like a, like a burlap fence around mm -hmm. it and fill that with leaves, hmm. um, for a little bit more insulating effect. Um, but, yeah. uh, it's and, pretty hard. And, and, and do I don't even get animal damage. Um, get to use in a second, Mike. All right. The hydrangeas can be eaten by animals, but they're not usually. Okay. So, uh, rabbits don't tend to eat on them very much. Um, I have heard that deer can go after the oak leaves sometimes. Okay. So if you're in a deer prone area, uh, oak leaves may be something to stay away from. Panicles are very, um, uh, very carefree though. So not okay. so much for rabbits, not so much for deer. Um, so that's great. Yeah. All right. Okay. Mike, your question. Uh, well, what I was going to, I have a question in a second, but I'm just going to note that if you, if your endless summer is dying back, um, uh, it's possible that you accidentally bought an endless bummer. So Mike says, if your endless summer's dying back, yes. Wait for it. You accidentally bought an endless bummer. That's what I like to call them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Skeet. Let's go look at this ginkgo tree. <laughs> All right. This is a three stem. Uh, somebody's looking for a tree that's going to be a little more upright, not so much wide and spreading, and needs a very minimal care. A uh, ginkgo tree would, would be the way to go. And, and this is just a splendid, uh, specimen, just a great specimen ginkgo tree mm -hmm. here. Uh, again, with, with the three stems, uh, just, a, just a fun tree. Yeah. yeah. What about um, native trees? Of, of uh, What else do you recommend? Oh. Boy, um, well, uh, October is right around the corner, so mm -hmm. oak trees. Uh, oak trees would be one that we definitely recommend as, as uh, native trees, um, which would be the way to go. We have white, red, 
Uh, we usually sell burr. I'm not sure if we have any in stock right now. I did see a burr oak did over you? there. Okay. Yeah, we walked by there. Um, yeah. And uh, we've carried chinkapin in the past before. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I think there's uh, there's another oak, uh, native oak that I'm forgetting. But um, yeah, we, we try and carry a nice selection of the natives in the tree department as well. Mm-hmm. And they also carry the little flag on top of the sign if they are native. Okay. Awesome. Mike, anything else, or should we head on no, back and get some on, donuts before back. they're gone? Yeah, we, you should, come you on get, back, he said. Come on back. Uh, get on over here. That would be uh, fantastic. Um, um, I can't tell you how great it's been to, to have uh, Peggy and uh, Peggy Cam there uh, going through the garden. And we do have... Uh, a number of questions that have come in, and I have to go to two yeah, different... we've got some questions. This tree oh, wait, gets a lot of attention. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a dappled willow. Okay. Uh, dappled willow is actually a shrub um, that's been grafted on a tree stem. And so this is totally normal to have this color. Uh, yes, this is this is normal, and it actually will do more of a pink tip on the springtime as mm-hmm. well, so it's almost like a tricolor effect. Okay. Um, uh, and then with any grafted tree, Skeet mm-hmm. will vouch for me on this one, you do get the, the, the water the sprouts, stock, yeah. suckers coming up. So no, a little bit of maintenance on it, but you can actually see the change in the graft on the uh, uh, from the shrub part that's been grafted onto a regular willow stem. So, well, that's okay. pretty cool. All right, Mike, take take it away, so I can uh, we can all get back oh, well, to our and you guys are here. coming back. Oh, here. wait what a up? second! Wait a second! Uh, hey, here's Amos. It's Amos oh, Cam. All right, it's Amos. The Amos. Uh, and there. Eddie, oh, wait, wait, we we got we got to get Mike Cam. Uh, Mike Cam. Oh, Mike Cam. I'll like, I'll like. No, you, no. What you need is you need donut Cam. Uh, so there we go. That's that's what Amos brought. In fact, go back, you, go back. Go back over go to back Amos, over Amos for, a for a second. You guys have a seat over there. Uh, Amos is a, a longtime follower of the show. Uh, uh, thank you for coming out and thank you for bringing the donuts. And bringing donuts. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so, are are you a gardener yourself, Amos? Yes, I am. I'm, uh, mostly I do a lot of container gardening. Okay. Uh, not much stuff in the ground. Uh, kind of like being able to control, you know, the bugs and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, did a little bit of experimenting with uh, growing potatoes and straw this season. Hmm. So I'm going to try to perfect that a little bit. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah. They turn out really good. Great. Yeah, I got, got a nice little crop out of them. But, uh, yeah, it's just every now and then, you know, just trying different stuff. Because uh, originally from Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I moved here in uh, 2013. And so the, you know, you know, your growing zones are much different. You know. Uh, Absolutely. It freezes up here. <laughs> as opposed yeah. to what's like subtropical. Yeah. You, yeah. you notice that, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah when I, my first year here, I was uh, we got the groundhog's blizzard. So ah, I, I that was the welcome I, to I, Chicago. Me, real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. So we want to get to some camera, uh, some photos. Uh, yeah, questions. Uh, yeah, uh, I tell yeah, you what, Peggy, you, you can come back over here to your uh, okay. station, and uh, we'll, we'll do that. In fact, uh, all right, I'll, I'll turn off Peggy Cam. Okay, and I'm okay, setting up I'm the four shot here with. With all, let's make sure I've got all the mics on too. That's always uh, helpful, and I, I'm not sure I do. Nope. Let's turn on mics, and there's Skeet, and you guys. Thank you guys for that incredible tour. That was really fun. Well, technology is amazing. Our hydrangea talk is one of our most popular that we do. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'll actually be doing it uh, live for customers at one o'clock this afternoon again, too, with some paper handouts and stuff. So. Oh, we'll see. Now you got a warm up. You got warmed up. In, in... I did. You gave me a nice warm up. And uh, in, in equal fashion, uh, they actually did uh, hydrangea talks at our Naperville store uh, with our tree and shrub buyer, Eric, yesterday. Um, so, oh, uh, by the way, Bruce, Bruce says that Amos is on the Hell Sparks chat on Saturday. So I didn't realize that. So good for you. Amos. There we go. Yeah, we have a lot of questions here. Um, and we got Echo Genie uh, saying, but uh, there's not much we can do because we're so close to each other here. So what I'm going to do is ask questions and then turn Should off I hit, some mics. Uh, and Jeannie's so question here. Or are we going backwards? What? Do we want to start with Jeannie's question, or do you have them in line already? Uh, where's Jeannie's? She says, question for Skeet. Can any oak take occasional standing water? Boy, that's a great question. Occasional, yes. Um, uh, if, if that's the situation, I would think about more of a swamp white oak would be the way to go to plant in that area. Um, they'll plant high, drain well, hope like heck. So uh, the, the planting of that tree is going to be critical, uh, a higher planting and maybe staking uh, loosely for a couple of years to get those roots well established would be the way to go as an idea. I need to turn on my, my mic. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to control the echo here. Um, turn mine off then. I'm going to turn yours off for just a second. All right. Uh, our oak leaf hydrangea is good for separating and spreading around our shady gardens. And I think I already know the answer to that, Michael. They tend to have one single stem, so it's pretty hard to separate the oak leaves. The annabelles are the ones that you can divide and spread very easily. Uh, that leads to a question that got asked earlier, uh, and I think I know the answer to this too, but which are the ones that you will cut back all the way to the ground? The annabelle styles. That's yeah. it. Annabelle. The annabelle styles are the ones you, you want to do that with. Uh, you could do it with, uh, like, a panicle if you wanted to as well. Um, uh, and uh, the Amazon summers frequently do that on their own because they die back to the ground. So, you know. Also why they're called endless summers. Uh, you'll see uh, pollinators on uh, the hydrangeas, um, uh, but they are not of the most uh, pollen-producing flowers there are, so... Uh, they're not uh, special favorites of any of the pollinators, um, but uh, usually the ones that I see them on more is going to be the lace cap style flowers. I'm not entirely sure why that is, um, but apparently there's more pollen for them uh, in the lace cap styles than there are the mop heads. The mop heads are pretty much infertile and they don't really have a lot of pollen. Well, I'm going to add, though, that in my yard, yes, the lace caps, I have a blue billow, and uh, the pollinators go nuts. Yeah, I've seen the bees all over the blue billow. Yeah, there's, there are bees, all, but this year in particular, uh, my uh, oak leaf was just covered in pollinators. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. A lot of times the shadier ones, the pollinators don't go in the shade as much. You know, they like the sun-loving things. With the dry May that we had, um, you may see a lot more pollen production, uh, nectar production in those flowers, too. Question for Skeet. Are any wild hemlock growing in the area? Oh, um, we, we have seen it here and there, those not a profuse at all. So um, it's something to be aware of and, and identify, yes. 
Okay, somebody back on a hydrangea question. Leaves on hydrangea look kind of yellowish, washed out in late summer. Is this just heat? Do I just keep watering? Hard to say unless I know what kind it is. Um, the endless summers, I do see them kind of get bleached out a lot of times in the sun. Um, as uh, we try and recommend them a little bit more for like a part shade, especially afternoon shade environment. Um, the uh, the panicle styles, if you're seeing kind of some yellowing on there, that's going to be more like a birch thing where it's a bit of water stress um, is usually what I would uh, suspect when I'd see that. Okay. Um, I'm bouncing questions here unless... Uh, well, I was just going to say that uh, Snappy J Dog wrote, um, she didn't know it was a party. Well, of course it's a party. We got the donuts, thanks to Amos. That's right. It's... Okay, so... Woohoo! Oh, who's, who's our other party member? Hi, Susan. Susan kept... Come around. Yeah, I know, you don't want to be in uh, uh, on camera. But uh, uh, hi, Susan. Hi, hi. Uh, just, yeah, hold up the microphone. You don't even have to be on camera, okay? I'm so glad you came out to uh, the growing plant. Do you, do you like to come out here? I do. I love it here. Uh, hold it awesome. right, right up there. There you go. So uh, I take it you don't live too far away? I live in Aurora. Oh. Okay. And you're coming to Aurora next year in 2022 to talk to my garden club. Oh, I, I am? Oh, good. We haven't nailed down the date. We, we, we haven't nailed it down, right? We haven't nailed down the date. We yeah. definitely want to. Okay, well, good. Fantastic. I'm happy to come out and talk. You came to Peru, Illinois, several, maybe eight to ten years ago. And oh, I that's right. You. That's right. Okay, this is the conversation we've been having uh, on the uh, on. On the inner tubes, uh, because yeah, I came out to uh, Peru and uh, and spoke with um, Carolyn Ulrich from the late great Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. A couple quick questions here for Michael before we wrap it up. Uh, going back to natives, asking about native plugs. Uh, we do a pre-sale, um, or we have done pre-sales in the springtime, and that's when we're going to have a full selection of the native plugs. Um, and uh, then we we sell what we have through the rest of summer. So um, if you were to stop by now, a much thinner selection than we have in the springtime. Um, there, uh, actually, I had somebody ask something uh, a while ago, and this I, and I forgive me if, if I'm sucker punching you here, but uh, what is your policy regarding neonicotinoids? Uh, we actually stopped selling them, uh, so uh, we don't. Uh, I. I will recommend them in certain situations, but I don't sell them here anymore. What about, um, what about, what about plants that have been treated with neonics? Do you know? We uh, we do not treat uh, anything that we grow with neonicotinoids, um, but uh, I can't guarantee that all of our suppliers feel the same way. But um, we do pretty we do screen the suppliers, so um, to the best of our knowledge, they're not using it. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, as we can't grow everything we sell, I can't guarantee everything either. Um, but, uh, you know, with uh, the, the, the policies and uh, some of the, the information that was coming out uh, when, uh, what, probably six, eight years ago, something like that, um, you know, we made the executive decision to stop carrying them. And, uh, you know, so I, I only really recommend them for, like, 
houseplants, things like that. So it's a, you know, a controlled environment where, you know, it's not going to get out. And, and that's kind of uh, one of the, the few applications uh, that's good for. Also, you can still use Skeet, um, they, you know, for, for controlled applications. They're going to be professionals. But I, we didn't feel right just giving them to the general public without, you know, knowing that they had the proper knowledge behind it. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am furiously looking uh, at the, all the boxes. He's typing, he's typing, he's typing, he's typing. The only other question I see for Skeet is, what's the best time to trim a maple tree? Maple trees can be pruned 12 months of the year, depending on the variety of maple tree, uh, like a blaze maple where it's got that really thick multi-leaves in there. Uh, winter is uh, just a prime time, so we can see the structure of the tree. Mm-hmm. We like to do a lot of structure pruning in the winter so we can see the tree. If there's a beautiful garden that the growing place helped you put in underneath that tree and perennials and plants, um, then uh, wintertime may be the best time to do it as branches come down and branches get drugged to uh, the front yard. They get chipped up and cleaned up. We want to uh, minimize any type of uh, damage to your property. So, uh, you know, fall, winter, though the maple tree does not care for its health, uh, what time of the year okay. it's pruned. We need to wrap this up. So I uh, I think we've uh, handled uh, a, a lot of questions. Uh, Skeet, uh, how can folks get a hold of uh, Bartlett Tree Experts? Bartlett.com would be the way to go. And... Uh, We've got four offices throughout Chicagoland, servicing Chicagoland, up into Wisconsin, over into Indiana. Uh, we've got uh, projects and clients all over. And uh, and uh, kudos to the uh, person that's listening, I believe, out in Oregon, who's going to be uh, using this out there in Oregon, <laughs> yeah. too. So uh, Bartlett.com would be the way to go. And you can type in your zip code, and gee whiz, boom, that local office will pop right up and go from there. So we really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, sure. And Michael, thank you so much for um, uh, allowing us to be here uh, today and uh, and for all that technical help that you gave us beforehand. It was uh, it was pretty that's remarkable. A, it's pretty scary when I'm your technical support. You know, I'm more of a, te- a plant person. So, you know, if folks want to uh, go online and find uh, the growing place, where do they go? Thegrowingplace.com. Simple as that. Don't forget the though. Um, and, uh, we have, uh, all of our, our plant information is on there. So you can get, uh, um, pictures and plant information for the varieties that we sell. Do some pre-shopping before you get here if you wanted to. Um, and, uh, that has both our locations listed on there. Can people still do curbside pickup? Um, we do have a hundred dollar minimum on curbside orders, but they could email those in, uh, just grow at the growing is our general inbox. And, uh, yeah, we'll take care of it from there. Um, we, uh, have, uh, some virtual design services if anybody's looking for that, uh, as well. So they can, uh, set up, a uh, virtual consultation where they'll do some measurements and pictures and give it to our designer who will return a design to them after uh, having a, a brief meeting with them as well. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we've got two stores, Naperville and Aurora, both very easily accessible from uh, 88. So, And a lot of people watching today. today. Yeah, and yeah. people uh, like coming out here. So uh, uh, thank you. Well, again. we like having them out here. So <laughs> yeah, there we go. We do. All right. Uh, thank you guys both for being here today. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's it's just uh, y- you and me there, uh, Peggy, and I just uh, need to find uh, the one thing that will get us out of this show. Is- 
Well, it may be the Muppets oh, took the Sunday look off. Look at that. There it is. There it is. I don't know. It was. Uh, it was there. Then it wasn't there. Okay. Hey, listen, thanks to everybody who was watching today, and, and our, our thanks to the good people out here at uh, at the Growing Place in Aurora. Thanks to Skeet uh, for being part of this. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to Amos, hey, Amos. for the donuts, man. This is great. Uh, no uh, legata, no basil, but thank you, Kathleen, for all the work you did behind the th- scenes, too. Until next time, go green or go home. Stadler? Yeah, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 